It's a beautiful fall day in northeastern Iowa, and this weather might stick around for a few days. We are one year from election 2024. What are the races that we need to watch? We'll also get an update on the outlook for the hog industry, and it's Monday. We'll get a report on what's happening in the used equipment markets. Live from the Monday morning kickoff via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning we begin with a conversation with Machinery Pete. That's Greg Peterson. Then it's David Wasserman from the Cook Political Report. And later, Christine McCracken from Rabo Research. Directly following the news, Brett Waltz from BAM WX. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. And now, hey! We got the host of AgriTalk back, Chip Laurie. <laughs> All right, Davis. Hey, hey buddy. thank you so much. How's things going? Everything good? <laughs> really good. Really good. I'm glad to hear your voice at the other end of the line there, bro. That makes it even better. Oh, good. That That's great. Well, there will be a couple of days, at least one day this week, that you probably won't have that happen. That's yes. tomorrow. Yes. So, but man, we've got a week. Woo! Yeah, we do. It's going to be good. It is yeah. going to be a lot of fun. Big Apple, Joe Stackler, and I are going to be making our way to the port of South Louisiana, mm-hmm. and we are partnering with United Soybean Board mm-hmm. uh, uh, to highlight some of the infrastructure efforts that are underway. Now, we did Port of Grace Harbor a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, and th- this port is a different animal. Okay, mm-hmm. this is like the world's largest shipping port and it's it's uh, a lot of moving pieces and a huge amount huge amount of US egg product makes its way through that port so looking forward to it, it well i've never been there so i'm real i'm it, it's going to be education uh, time for me again and i think what that's all well and good um i think okay. what people are really wondering yeah, it's going to be a, a lightning fast trip down there for you yeah. and Big Apple Joe. Do you do you reckon you'll have some time maybe to find some etouffee or maybe some beignets or something while you're in the area? Anything at all? I I can I can make no guarantees on that. Okay, Davis. I think you should really gonna, give it some thought. Oh, believe me, while believe you're there, me, I would huh? love to get a plate full of oysters. Oh yeah, baby. All right. Mm-hmm. So I will be efforting while mm-hmm. I am there. Excellent. Excellent. Wish you the best on that. Thank you. Let's get to it. What you got in the news? Uh, I've got some daily export sales reported by USDA. The first is 126,000 metric tons of soybeans to China in the 23-24 marketing year. And then I've also got Mexico showing up for 200, uh, we'll call it 290,000 metric tons of corn. Uh, That's going to Mexico for the 23-24 marketing year, Chip. Yeah. Mexico, we've, we've had more than a few... Uh, guest analysts on the afternoon hour say, geez, if it wasn't for Mexico, our corn booking pace would be really bad. But here they are. Yep, yep. Uh, National Weather Service weather outlook, more unsettled weather expected to bring beneficial precipitation across the Pacific Northwest. The northern Rockies over the next couple of days, mixed light rain and snow, maybe brush the northern borders of the northern plains to the interior northeast. Fair and mild weather expected to continue from the southwestern U.S. to much of the eastern U.S. Cool Pacific air arrives over the west today. Chip, uh, we'll we'll get more from the gang at BAM here. But over the course of this week, more than 60 record high temperatures are anticipated. Man, that'd be quite the heat wave. You bet. You bet. Yeah, we'll get the details here from Brett in a moment. Well, it's up the debate over immigration is causing tension in Congress, particularly as it relates to funding for Ukraine and other foreign aid initiatives. There is risk that disagreements over immigration policies could lead to delays or the derailment of government spending and aid packages. Democrats are facing pressure to compromise on immigration, with House Speaker Mike Johnson pledging to link a substantial border package to aid for Ukraine. Senate Republicans are also seeking to incorporate policy changes in emergency funding discussions. A lot there, Chip, but linking the border with Ukraine, that feels like strategy, baby. Yeah, it certainly does. Now, they broke out the aid to Israel, right? Okay. Yes, I believe so. They've got that yeah. separate. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So th- there is going to be some gamesmanship on this one. You can guarantee it. Well, Chip, analysts say the 2018 Farm Bill, speaking of gamesmanship, will likely be extended for one year for a host of reasons, including limited time remaining this year and competing work, including a continuing resolution, 
appropriations bills, supplementals, NDAA, FISA, FAA, add in policy and funding disagreements, and the expectation is Congress will kick the can down the road, Chip. Yeah, don't underestimate Chairman Thompson. He might still try to get something done in December. All right, thanks for that. Yeah. Virgin Atlantic has received approval from the U.K. government for a transatlantic flight from London to New York, scheduled for November 28, powered entirely by sustainable aviation fuel. That's SAF. However, the airline still needs regulatory approval for the flight from United States and Canadian authorities. Let's fire it up. Right on. The Biden administration expressed support for humanitarian pauses in Gaza to allow expanded aid to reach the region. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken mentioned the support and indicated that the Israeli government had agreed to discuss how such a humanitarian pause could be implemented. However, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has refused a ceasefire unless it includes the return of hostages held by Hamas. Uh, Let's see here. We'll we'll skip to this one. The third Republican presidential primary debate will be held Wednesday in Miami with a smaller number of candidates, uh, just five now, Chip. On the stage, former Vice President Mike Pence suspended his campaign for president late last month. Former President Trump will reportedly skip the debate, echoing his no-show status during the first two debates. Chip, over to you. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Brett Waltz, BAMWX.com. Good morning, Brett. Uh, Good morning, Chip. Man, nice job dealing up the weather that we're dealing with here this morning. Is it going to stick around for a while? Yeah, I would say over the next three days, it's going to be very mild, unusually mild. In fact, a lot of record-breaking high temperatures kind of starts today down in the southern plains. It'll spread further east as we work into tomorrow across the deep south and the mid-Atlantic. And then up into the Ohio Valley on Wednesday, you're looking at temperatures in the mid-70s, maybe even some 80s possible. Uh, Just kind of wild for this time of the year. A little bit cooler off to the north, though. And then we do get a cold front to work in later this week. Okay, cold front uh, later this week. A little bit longer term. Any major changes in the pattern? You know, I think it's staying warm. Uh, If you look out towards the the midway part of the month, we've got a little cold front. After that cold front late this week, it'll be a little bit more seasonable for a few days. But, man, midway part of the month and beyond, it looks like it's going to be a much above normal pattern. But getting more active across the southern tier of the U.S., a little bit more El Nino-like. Okay. All right. Speaking of El Nino-like, what's going on down in uh, South America, Brazil? What should we expect this week? Yeah, so uh, Brazil and Mato Grosso especially dealing with continued heat. Uh, I think that is something that's going to really persist. Uh, There's not a big change in the pattern coming down there. It's going to continue to be dry where it's been dry, Mato Grosso, central Brazil. And it's going to continue to be very active across the far southern portion of Brazil and into northern Argentina. I know some of those areas dealing with excessive rains. Yeah, yeah. And the, the rains have become more consistent in Argentina uh, that's just a an advancement of that La Nina pattern, right? Excuse me, El Nino pattern. Yeah, the El Nino. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah. you're right. The El Nino pattern, that should help those areas be a little bit more active compared to how they've been the last few years. Gotcha. Gotcha. Brett, thanks, buddy, for keeping me straight there. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. <laughs> All right, that good. is Brett Thank Waltz, you. BAMWX.com. Coming up next. It is time to get an update on what's going on in the used machinery markets. Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete, next year on Agritalk. Nate Furley is a regional business manager with Bex Hybrid. He joins us right now. Nate, what is a Bex Day ever? A Bex Day ever is just that. It's giving somebody or a community the best day that we possibly can ever. It's a campaign that the Beck family of employees, as well as the Beck family themselves, started two years ago, finding families in need, or this last season, communities in need, to just kind of give that boost, that shot in the arm, focusing on elevating just the joy and experience that we possibly can as one company to helping a family. That's outstanding. Okay, and this last year, you focused on fire stations and grain bin safety. We sought out fire departments that had success in those grain bin entrapments to really do two things. One, just raise awareness around grain bin safety for farmers 
And then two, highlight the fire departments and the tools that are needed and the support that's needed from the community in equipping and training fire departments. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, Nate, why did Bex decide to do this? One of our sayings, it's a, it's a passion that we, we live by here at Bex, is to help farmers succeed. We think that's more than just providing seed to them. It's providing, like I said, these stories of hope. It's providing opportunities. It's providing joy. It's, it's just doing what we can in every facet of that walk here on earth of just helping farmers. Very cool, Nate. Where can we go for more information on Bex Day Ever? We have blogs of individual stories on our website, bexhybrids.com slash bexdayever. Uh, or you can check us out on our YouTube page, as well as see these videos through the Farm Journal's YouTube page. I'm just scrolling down to the category there, the Bex Day Ever. Thank you, Nate. And thank you to Bex Hybrids for another Bex Day Ever. That is Nate Furley, Regional Business Manager with Bex. This is Andrew McRae, host of the American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from Northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in their industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends from grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. Hey guys, it's me, Isabella Gomez, filling in for Smokey Bear because he's got more to say than just... Only you can prevent wildfires. Like, if you're outside enjoying a barbecue, don't let a hamburger distract you from fire safety. Make sure you aren't dumping your hot coals or ashes onto the ground because that could start a wildfire. So take wildfire prevention seriously and let's save the world one day at a time. Juntos con Smokey Bear, podemos hacerlo. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Machinery repeat here, folks. This segment of AgriTalk brought to you by our friends at Dakota Ag Innovations, makers of Dakota Shine, the best way I've seen to fix faded paint. Go to dakotashine.com or call 888-996-7801. Isn't it kind of funny how uh, on Friday night we're all singing about red solo cups? <laughs> and then we get to Monday morning and we're like, I ain't as good as I used to be. Yep, yep, I hear you. Can ya. confirm. I hear you. I darn near had a disaster here. I I had my coffee cup in a spot that I usually don't put it. Uh Uh-oh. And as I was reaching for the button, I darn near tipped that son of a gun over. Yeah, Mm -hmm. into a bad spot. Uh, Close call. That's why routine is so important. You stick with it. That's what you do. Yeah, consistency. Mm -hmm. When you find something that works, you stick with it. That's right. Stick with it. All right, buddy. Let's bring in Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete. How you doing, Greg? Hey, I'm doing well, guys. Uh, happy to be part of the Monday morning routine for Agri Talk, and <laughs> glad you uh, the coffee did not spill there, bud. Yeah, that me didn't too. Sound too good. <laughs> <laughs> me too. It's one of those. Yeah, you know, it it kind of stopped my uh, my breath there for a second, but we're okay. We're good. Mm. Um, with that, let's get to it and uh, hear about the pick of the week. Pick of the week out in Marengo, Ohio on Saturday. Folks maybe saw the YouTube video I posted yesterday. It was a a collector estate auction for Harlan Wilson, well-known guy out there with some really nice equipment, uh, sales by my friends at Polk Auction Company. And there was one tractor in particular that folks were kind of eyeballing going into the sale, and it was kind of a rare bird. It was a restored experimental John Deere D Exhibit B on tracks. and. It brought fifty nine thousand was the hammer price. You tack on a five percent buyer's fee, got you up to sixty one thousand nine hundred and fifty bucks. And my my friend Chad uh, Steedham was out there and was able to send me some video. So we actually posted a YouTube video of it selling. Uh, really cool rig to get up and see. I forget the exact number. Folk auction said were made, uh, but pretty rare deal there. So uh, always fun to run across those uh, pieces of our tractor history. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually, I fired up the video as, as you were starting to talk about it. I've not seen anything like that before, Greg. Good grief. Yeah, you know, the, on tracks, I mean, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think it sort of reminds me of that Minneapolis Moline UDLX car back from yeah. the day. Uh, engineers, I mean, even though the materials and the 
processes. I mean, there were no computers back then, but uh, they were onto some interesting ideas and pushing the envelope. I guess that's the nature of agriculture all the way back to our start, I guess. So, yeah. but uh, fun to see those remnants of tractors that uh, companies yeah. thought, well, what about this? They made a few yeah. and then, and then what happened to them? Well, guys like uh, Harlan wind up with a one of the few left, and then <laughs> once in a while they pop up for auction. And what are they worth? There you go, sixty one thousand nine hundred fifty bucks. <laughs> fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. All right, um, what else did you post out on YouTube this week? Well, along these same lines, on okay. Friday I posted a video for the Red Folks. Uh, my my good friend just up the road from me here in Pine Island, Minnesota, Danny Anderson. Of course, if you're in the Red uh, Tractor community, you know Danny. He's known by as Dirt Boys. Uh, just a super guy. Um, and I was with Danny last week, and he got telling me about these two tractors he had that he'd finished restoring, and they're being shipped to Austria. And he said, Greg, if you want to come out and take a look at them before they go. And I'm like, hey, you tell me the time, I'll be there. But... And so posted a video of just Danny talking about these two tractors. They're rare uh, prototype pre-production models from fall of 85, right, as International was kind of going under and being bought out there. Uh, it's a 485 and an 885X. Um, and to, to see them, Danny restored them. And then they were sitting right next to the tractor Danny made that many people have seen. He calls it his 5388, which he actually, again, from back in 85 there, he took the rear end of a 7130 Magnum and the front end of a 5488 and put these things together. <laughs> um, and to hear Danny talk about it is uh, fascinating. He's an IH. He worked for IH dealerships for 17 years and uh, just lives and breathes it. So. Kind of a cool YouTube video to hear Danny talk about those folks. Just check out our Machine Repeat YouTube channel. Thanks. I got to say, Chip, I, I yeah. got to say thanks to folks for watching our videos. I think we just clipped over 56,000 subscribers. So it's been a joy to put those out for 14 years, and uh, hopefully they can bring a smile. Well, bring a smile is exactly right. That's that's what the, the this social media does. Uh, in, in a day and age, Greg, when social media is being used in so many negative right. ways to see what you're doing out there on YouTube with your YouTube channel. It's just what, what a breath of fresh air and entertainment and education. And it's just good stuff. Good stuff, man. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. My friend. And uh, one of my hopes with these videos that we post, we, and again, I've been doing them 14 years and we, we yeah. know the shelf life is kind of forever on them. So I'm hoping that young people, you know, maybe 10, yeah. 15 years from now, we'll run across a video like listening to Danny Anderson talk about international tractors from just before the merger in the mid-80s and, you know, get excited about it. And at the same time, like you say, social media, parts of it are cool. I'm, I'm a little, I'm trying not to be a cranky old guy, but it seems like it's people okay. tend to live with their head <laughs> down in their phone. Yeah, And just let's all let's all put our phones down a little bit. And remember to go to an auction and have coffee and talk to people and because that's how we learn yeah. stuff. So hopefully that's we can mix the best of both worlds there. Beautiful, beautiful. Tell us about that, uh, uh, the auction down in Winchester, Kentucky. Yeah, we touched on it last week. It was a week ago, mm -hmm. a week ago Saturday. It was, again, I, it's the hottest auction I've ever been to. I have yep. another video coming out today, folks. Keep an eye out for it. Of course, there were record prices on the 4455 and the 4960 deer tractors. And the guy that bought the 4455 actually bought another, well, two other tractors that went for records on the same auction. One was a deer 6150M, <clears throat> two wheel drive with 763 hours, no loader. And it went for 154 and a half, which was way above anything I'd seen with a loader and lower hours. But the cool part is the guy that bought it, uh, was from Washington and he flew okay. in for this auction. And mm -hmm. I interviewed he and his daughter at the end of the sale talking about that, you know, <clears throat> his love for John Deere tractors. And um, so I'll get that out today. And uh, again, that was great fun to be down there in Kentucky yeah. uh, on uh, October 28th. All right. Very good. Go a little bit further to the Southeast into North Carolina. Yeah, Saturday, back to the uh, kind of the rare, rare tractors. My good friends at Rich and Rich Auctioneers had a sale. Elizabeth City, North Carolina, a state auction for Donnie Jean Jones. 
collector sale, a lot of original antiques, not the fancy restored stuff, just original. Right. And he had uh, he had a 1940s long model A. I think they only made 35 of them, original shape, and that went for 6,300 bucks. So I thought that was uh, pretty good down there out of North Carolina on Saturday. Excellent, excellent. The original condition on those. Um, okay, it, we we talk red, we talk green, we even talk yellow and orange. It's not all that often that we're talking about the blue tractors, uh, but you've got a couple that sold here very recently. Yeah, a couple of blue beauties hit home runs on yeah. Wednesday. Online auction out of Meeker, Oklahoma. Uh, my friends, uh, Brad Armitage, Armitage Equipment, they sold a 2011 New Holland T6050, 2,478 hours, one owner with a loader. That went for 76.5. Previous record high auction wow. price was 70K from two years ago. And they also sold an 05 New Holland TV 145 bi-directional, which those were yeah. always fun to run across. This one was super sharp, 1,256 hours, one owner, went for 98000 bucks, second highest ever. So blue paint uh, selling well when they're in nice condition like that. Yeah, yeah. What a functional piece of equipment the bi-directional tractor is. Mm-hmm. For those livestock guys, yeah, absolutely. holy smokes. Yeah, really uh, cool. absolutely. And uh, and we've seen, again, loader tractors have been really hot the last couple of years, so more proof yeah. there out of Oklahoma last week. Yep. All right. What do you got going on this week? Well, there's a sale I'm watching today. My friends at Schneider Auctioneers in Berger, Missouri, really nice online sale wrapping up at 6 p.m. Central Time, folks. Check it out. Beautiful restored uh, 686 International and how about this? A 2021 Kubota U56 5 mini excavator with seven hours on it. Brand new. Uh, also a telehandler, a 14 JCB 53170, 2,600 hours, very sharp. And for you pickup folks, an 05 Ford F250 XLT regular cab, just 69,000 miles on it. So oh. expecting some strong pricing out of Missouri <laughs> this evening. So again, what a Schneider Auctioneers, folks. An 05. So, again, scary that that's, uh, you know, pushing 20 years old, but it is what it is. (laughs) It is. But 69. (laughs) We're getting older, my friend. That's all there is to it. Yes, we are. And thank God for that. (laughs) Well, that's a gift and a blessing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Greg, good stuff, man. Thank you. And we will talk to you again next week. Look forward to it, Chip. All right, that is Greg Peterson, Machine Repeat, here on Agritalk. Okay, uh, we've got a year. A, well, a year from tomorrow, we will be casting our ballots in the presidential election, House race, Senate races all over the country. What's the status? We'll find out next. Every acre tells a story, but to hear it, you need the right tools. Tyrannus Acre Forward Intelligence turns leaf-level data into actionable insights. Read your fields from the palm of your hand. Make decisions with more certainty and speed than ever before. And have a more informed discussion with your retailer to preserve your hard-earned farm legacy, season after season. Every acre tells a story. Find yours at acreforward.com. That's acreforward.com. Hi, I'm Ag Day host Clinton Griffiths, and I invite you to join me each morning as we cover the nation's food system, from fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between. America runs on agriculture, and here at Ag Day, agriculture is what we do best. Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the country experience. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Man, we had a nice recovery in the corn market at, to uh, to wrap up last week. ProFarmer editor Brian Grady is here to talk about that. A little bit of follow-through this morning. Nothing great, but at least we're not no. trading lower. Yeah, that's right. But, uh, you know, corn is following soybeans. They're posting strong double-digit gains here to kick off the week. And so that 
that move up that we've seen in in soybeans is just you know it was explosive last week and continuing here to kick off the new week and and we had a daily corn sale uh, to China this morning but really it's it's South America and in, in particular it's Brazil weather and, and crop concerns um, you know that uh, just successfully wet in southern areas of Brazil. Yep and uh, dry and hot in central areas. They did get some rains over the weekend in those dry areas, uh, but not enough in, in most of the areas, and, and that's fueling the buyer interest this morning. Yep, you know, it, it's it's hard to figure out exactly how these weather markets work, except to say that weather isn't a problem until it is. And once it is, they've yeah. got to react very quickly and, and get it yeah, factored exactly in. exactly right. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's probably still going to be a record crop in Brazil, but it isn't going to be as big probably as, as what everybody thought it was originally. Right. right. Okay. Take us over to the livestock trade. What's going on there? Well, heavy pressure in both live cattle and feeder cattle to kick off the week. So, um, you know, the, the cash trade uh, on cattle came in uh, better than, than what was feared uh, last week. But that's not uh, sparking any buyer interest at all this morning. And, and uh, so, like I said, heavy pressure. We'll have to see how that translates to this week's cash cattle trade as we move forward. And then the hog market uh, just almost... Uh, uh, unbelievably defying uh, the yeah. seasonals and seasonal weakness in the cash market and continuing to work higher. Very good. Thank you, Brian. That's Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report. Join me each weekend as we explore the news and issues that matter the most to agriculture. We know this past year has been challenging in many ways, but as agriculture continues to adapt, we are right there with you. From markets to weather, each weekend we take a deep dive into what matters most. Join me each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Kelly Clarkson, and as the daughter of a school teacher, I know just how important education is. No matter how old you are or your situation, continuing to learn will enrich your life and help remove barriers you didn't even know were there. So much opportunity, y'all. Whether it's a foreign language, history, or a different way to look at things, take some time each day to learn something new. This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. AgriTalk, what more do you need to know? And welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us on a Monday morning. Okay. Um, we It's hard to believe, but here we are. Uh, a, a year from tomorrow, we will be casting our votes and uh, in the presidential election, House election, Senate elections, and it's uh, time to get a, a handle on what's going on in there to help us do that this morning. We got pro farmer policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Chip. Can't wait to hear what David has to say. Yep, and that David is David Wasserman, senior editor and elections analyst at the Cook Political Report. David, it's been too long, but boy, it's great to talk with you again. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Hey, thanks so much, Chip, for having me. And I can't wait to hear where Jim has a bone to pick with me. <laughs> <laughs> Should be fun. Should be fun. Um, I want to start, if it's okay, I want to start with the big race, the the, the race for the White House. Um, <laughs> where does it stand? It, the polls seem to be pointing at a Biden-Trump rematch. Is that how you see it? Well, it is. And this is the strangest election, presidential election I've ever approached because I'm not sure that either of these men truly want to serve another four years as president. They have ulterior motives for running, I think. In Trump's case, it's the best shield he has against every prosecution coming his way. In Biden's case, I think he sees it as his moral obligation to prevent Trump from being president again. But what's striking is that Democrats are the party that is more divided at the moment, whereas Republicans, even though they're out of the White House and there are more candidates on their side, are more united behind Donald Trump. Right now, Democrats are headed for a reckoning this fall over whether Biden should run again. And just in the last few days, I think you've seen this break 
wide out into the open with David Axelrod, a former Obama advisor, questioning whether it's wise for Biden to pursue another term when Trump is leading in these polls. So you've got half the party that is is curious about what it would look like if you had an alternative Democrat uh, in if Biden did not run. And then half the party that is busy unskewing these polls or in denial about the terrible polling numbers we're seeing for Biden, not just regarding his age, but his handling of the economy and particularly problematic for the president is his ratings among the type of peripherally engaged voters who did not show up in the midterms, but are likely to show up next year. These skew independent, young, anti-establishment um, voters who didn't don't necessarily have a four-year college degree. And, and they're open to Trump's very simplistic message, which is when I was president, you didn't have crazy inflation and you didn't have wars in the Middle East or Ukraine. Yep. Yep. David, what's the timeline on a decision for the Democrat Party and and President Biden on whether to run? And if he decides not to, who would you say might be the front runner to to replace him? Well, look, he is running. And the problem the Democrats face is you've got close to 80 percent of the country that believes that Biden is too old to serve effectively for another four years. But he's surrounded by people who are unwilling to 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 tell him some something that he doesn't want to hear and around the thanksgiving table at the biden household i think there's going to be nothing but encouragement um for for him to run again because screw all these people who say that you shouldn't do it and if joe biden were himself to to believe uh were to decide that he shouldn't uh run again then the floodgates would open, but the timing would matter a great deal. Now, I think if Biden decides he's he's going to stay in, he will be the Democratic nominee. There's no credible okay. primary threat on the horizon. But if he's out, you are going to have some well-funded Democrats in Gavin Newsom of California, J.B. Pritzker, potentially from Illinois, who could put together the infrastructure for a campaign rather quickly. Kamala Harris, keep in mind, she won't necessarily uh, have the incumbent president's support because Obama didn't endorse Biden in the 2020 Democratic right. primaries. He said, right. you know, you have to go out there, Joe, and win this in your own right. And that yep. kind of sets the precedent that Biden does not have to endorse Harris. And there, you know, I I think she lacks the talent, frankly, to beat Trump next year. The candidates that I think kind of thread the needle between uh, broad enough support in the Democratic Party and electability in some of these Midwestern battleground states are Democrats with experience governing in purple yeah. America, whether, yeah. whether it's Gretchen Whitmer uh, from Michigan or Josh Shapiro in Pennsylvania, who hasn't been governor that long, or Roy Cooper from North Carolina. Gotcha. Gotcha, Jim. Uh, David, how long can Biden go? until he uh, if he did make the decision to drop out because some people say that he doesn't want to be a lame duck all that long so it you know you know doesn't that signal it could be later than most people think well keep in mind lbj didn't get out of the 1968 race until march 31st so <laughs> that is still you know a, a, about four months away uh, but Look, in modern presidential politics, I don't think you really can wait that long. If if Biden did wait that long, there wouldn't be a primary race because you couldn't get on the ballot at that date. It would be up to the convention delegates. Right. If I'm in Biden's head right now, you know, and and let's say I did want to spend the final year of my presidency on diplomacy and trying to address foreign crises rather than on the campaign trail where, you know, let's be honest, I'm uh, my presentation in front of the camera isn't what it used to be, then I would, you know, wait uh, as long as possible to avoid being a lame duck. But at the same time, uh, there would have to be a period in 2024 where these Democratic alternatives could be tested on the campaign trail because you don't succeed without going through that 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 uh, retail yeah. campaign test. And if if you know Democrat were to fill in as kind of a caretaker nominee, uh, there could be big problems. 
Okay. How about your bottom line assessments, David, on the House and Senate raises? I know we're a year yeah. away, but if you had to guess right now, who uh, who would control each of those chambers and why? You know, another reason this election is strange is that the House and Senate could flip conceivably in opposite directions. Democrats currently control the Senate 51-49. Republicans control the House 222 to 213, which is, you know, by in percentage terms, 51 to 49. And yet Democrats are facing a horrendous Senate map. They are defending three really, really red states, including Montana, Ohio, and West Virginia. There's a fourth seat that's at a very high degree of risk. That's Arizona, where Kirsten Sinema has defected from the Democratic Party and become an independent. And there's a very competitive three-way race underway for that seat, although Sinema hasn't formally decided whether she's running or not. And then Democrats also are are defending a a number of other battleground states that are at a lower degree of risk, but they still have to watch Wisconsin and Michigan, which is an open seat. Uh, Debbie Stabenow is retiring there, Pennsylvania uh, and Nevada. And there really isn't a a vulnerable Republican seat on the board. You can make a case for Texas, but man, given the trend line among Hispanic voters, that's a really hard state for Democrats to to get 50% of the vote, even against someone as polarizing as Ted Cruz. And then when you look at the House, well, there's a a bit more offense for Democrats to play. Uh, There are 18 Republicans representing seats that Biden carried in, in 2020 and only five Democrats in seats that Trump carried in 2020. So there are enough seats on the board for Democrats to target in the House uh, to oust Mike Johnson or whoever the Republican speaker is come next November. And it's going to come down to uh, some of the redistricting fights that are playing out yeah. in the courts in several key states. It's going to come down to uh, the candidate recruitment and whether Republicans can get enough kind of normal people through through primaries, enough of the people that McCarthy recruited before he was ousted. And then also the, t- the impact of the top of the ticket. And what does the turnout look like in some of these, uh, these rural battlegrounds in the Central Valley of California or on Long Island in New York? Hmm. The redistricting that you mentioned there, uh, David, it, it, it can have major impact and influence on how a vote's going to turn out, doesn't it? Absolutely. And in an era when we have fewer persuadable voters than ever before, we've got more straight ticket voting. Uh, more voters are, are simply, you know, viewing one party as as extreme or, or even evil. You have just a very narrow battlefield of races and every change to a political boundary can be enormous and, and can yeah. be determinative of of which party wins the seat. So North Carolina Republicans were just able to pass a new map that effectively wipes three Democratic seats off the board. Uh, The new makeup of the state Supreme Court allowed them to to pursue that. Democrats are suing to do the very same thing in New York state. They're going to try to uh, crack open the process again in the middle of the decade to to uh, re-gerrymander the boundaries in New York. It's unclear whether they'll be able to respond there. And then you also have some racial redistricting cases in states uh, like Alabama, where we've already seen a new black opportunity district drawn uh, to comply with the Supreme Court decision in Allen v. Milligan in June. Uh, you could see additional black opportunity seats in Louisiana and Georgia and Florida, depending on how some of those cases shake out. But uh, with a very narrow House margin, each of these cases takes on an exit, almost existential feel. Yeah. Yeah. David, I sure appreciate. We all appreciate your insights into the elections. We're going to need to talk a couple of more times through 2023 <laughs> and uh, into 24 and and see how things are shaking out. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks, David. You bet. David Wasserman, Senior Editor, Elections Analyst for the Cook Political Report, and Weissmeyer here on Agritalk. We've got Christine McCracken up next here on Agritalk. (coughs) Hello? Man, where are you? I thought you were coming. I can't. I'm in bed with the flu. (coughs) The flu? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Grandma's about to crowd surf. 
Man, I'll call you back. Don't get stuck at home with the flu. A flu shot is safe, effective, and you can get it at the same time as your COVID-19 vaccine. A flu shot is the best way to prevent the flu and its potentially serious complications. Don't get flu FOMO. Learn more at GetMyFluShot.org. Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand, when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Ag Day host Clinton Griffiths, and I invite you to join me each morning as we cover the nation's food system, from fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between. America runs on agriculture, and here at Ag Day, agriculture is what we do best. Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the country experience. I taught for 20 years, until I started forgetting my lectures. Eventually, he had to quit. Getting his early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard, but it gave us time to take control of the situation, together. I can't imagine going through this without him. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Stu Swanson, a farmer from Galt, Iowa, is the first vice president of the Iowa Corn Growers Association. Stu, I'm always asking about what's on the ICGA's priority list. Talk to me about the process. How does a member's priority become an ICGA priority and how that then turns into action? So with a statewide organization, it's hard to, to know what's happening in all corners in every part of the state. So our organization has developed a process that allows every individual member to have input. Those individual discussions and priorities are then formalized into Iowa corn policy that is represented by the state organization. All right. Well, this year, input costs were high on the priority list, weren't they? Yeah, they certainly are. We're seeing the margin squeeze through agriculture now as prices have increased. We're trying to give some farmers some ideas, uh, more transparency on on competition and pricing, and, and especially in the fertilizer side. So Iowa Corn drafted a study with David Miller, and will help us be able to kind of find where our niche is in policy, give USDA some ideas of things that maybe they can look at, and, and then also within Congress if there's anything that needs to be done to help even the playing field for farmer members across the state. So what's the goal, Stu? What do you hope to accomplish with that study into the fertilizer industry? Well, ultimately, we want to find a solution for the fertilizer price increases. And so by being a member of Iowa Corn, I know I have people that are side by side with me, providing input to legislation, hopefully that we can get into the farm bill and then directly impact uh, my farm and, and their farms as well. Outstanding. So where can we go for more information? Go to iowacorn.org slash join. Excellent. Thank you, Stu. That seat at the table to discuss legislation. It is always important. Thanks to Stu Swanson with the Iowa Corn Growers Association. Unlock the full potential of your yield with Farm Journal's Connected Ag Project. Farm Journal has teamed up with a coalition of partners to support producers in harnessing data to fuel both agronomic and financial resilience. Built around the use and adoption of well-proven practices, participating farmers will also benefit from technical guidance, personalized data support, and direct payments. Visit trustinfood.com grow today to learn more about this USDA-funded project. In farming, you don't do anything halfway because putting in half the effort yields only half the reward. Protivate Nutritional Seed Enhancer from Coke Agronomic Services is a dual-purpose solution that gives young crops critical nutrients for early uniform emergence, plus seed circulation and flowability. And with multiple formulations, you'll find the right fit. Plant smarter with Protivate. To get started, contact your Coke Agronomic Services representative or local ag retailer, or visit getgreatergrowth.com. AgriTalk is brought to you by Phospholutions, which is excited to launch Rhizozorb, the first fertilizer technology proven across hundreds of field trials 
to improve grower ROI by 20% and maintain or increase yield with less applied phosphate per acre. Welcome back to AgriTalk on this Monday morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, the hog industry has been struggling for a while. And I always look forward to the reports about the protein markets from Robo Research. They do a great job breaking down the numbers. And, and the latest one is it was released very recently. Christine McCracken is the senior analyst for animal protein at Robo Research. She joins us right now. Christine, welcome back to the show. It's good to talk with you. Yeah, great to be back. Thanks. Okay. Uh, Christine, when I go back to the quarterly hogs and pigs report that we got from USDA at the end of uh, September, one of the features was clearly uh, efficiency in the farrowing house. June, August pig crop was up slightly from the same quarter in 2022, and producers did it while farrowing 4% fewer sows. It's hard to believe that that can happen, but it does. It does. We've had some a really good run here. Uh, productivity has been fantastic. Unfor- maybe fortunately or unfortunately, uh, we, we just have a lot of barns that are really full. Um, you know, we've had really limited disease pressure, some really good uh, numbers coming out. And that that's just that's just crushing us right now. Chip. Right. Yeah, it certainly is. And, and the amount of of hogs that are available to the market. One of the reasons that it surprises me as much as it does is because margins have been zero or negative for multiple quarters in a row. Sow liquidation has happened, and I'm not sure that it's over, is it? No, no, we think it'll continue into 2024. It's just, it's a really long process. You know, it, you can't turn a ship this big uh, overnight and, and I think that, you know, we keep getting these glimmers of hope. I think, you know, we had a, a pretty good run on on hog or pork prices here earlier this summer. I think some of that Prop 12 and then, you know, obviously uh, just, just some optimism around the, the crop that mm-hmm. maybe gave guys a little breath of fresh air. So it's a, it's a, it's a long process. Yeah. Uh, margins, they, they, uh, they take into account costs and revenues, obviously the co- the, the revenue is nothing fantastic from these hogs right now, just because of the price pressure that we've seen, but we are seeing some improvement on the cost side. Does that slow down a liquidation? Does it lengthen out this, uh, the timeline on the turnaround? Well, I think that that's my concern. Uh, yeah. You know, I I think if we had some more visibility there uh, about what we're what's happening, I, I think especially on meal, right? Um, it, we we'd know for sure. But I think that r- right now, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's just slowing things down. I mean, there is a natural order. Um, you know, if you think about side you're not making a lot of money killing sows right now so um it, it is going to be a forced liquidation over over time okay so on the demand side how much of a headwind is inflation you know i i think it's probably less of a factor you know i you you look at at pork prices on the store shelf and the reality is that we just they haven't come down chip i think mm-hmm. they're they're using pork and chicken, you know, to offset some of those really high beef prices. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at wholesale pork prices, b- bellies are down, what, 20% and, and you see it at the shelf. And I don't know about in your area, but I'm not seeing that kind of drop in in, yeah, in no. bacon prices. So No, absolutely not. The resiliency of the consumer, Christine, I don't know how to explain it because beef demand is good. Pork demand product is moving uh at some point the the affordability issue has to catch up with uh, with with more of the consumers right it has to i mean you look at what and these rates i think once we get into the housing market right and and mm-hmm. I, I know you guys talk about this a lot but i mm-hmm. I, I just look at rents i look at what we're paying for our cars right I, and and i think that it's it's all going to catch up with the consumer so i i do think there's probably another shoe to drop not to get 
too negative, but mm-hmm. boy, I've been surprised so far and we're still moving a, a lot of meat and, and sales seem to be pretty good. It's just costs are high, right? Yes. Yeah, they, they certainly are. You look at some of those grocery bills and it's like, wow, how did this happen? But so <laughs> how does all this shake out? Take me into well, in, in, into 2024. Yeah, I think it's going to be a rough start to the year. I think, uh, you know, we just we still have a lot of hogs coming. And, and the reality is that that nobody's going to make a lot of money through the first part of the year. Um, but we're still moving the product. Inventory isn't building up, uh, which is great news. I think we've got a Prop 12 impact that is, is going to be interesting to watch. Um, you know, we think about what happens when when that starts getting enforced here at the end of the year and and that could slow some sales into california we're already seeing that now um and then you know i think then we'll kind of see i think exports are still going to be pretty strong you know obviously the the weakness in the u.s dollars should should be helping that um so that's some good news but it's it's going to be a rough slog here at the beginning of the year but hopefully you know summer forward i think it, it could get a little bit uh better for the for the industry overall okay you know if i was going to look for a silver lining out there it would be in the productivity numbers in those farrowing houses right yeah, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse. I, you know, yep. I think <laughs> we have obviously it's 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 a lot easier to to deal with a healthy herd and and uh, some really strong productivity. We we can do more. We can do more. It's a good sustainability store story when we think about um, you know the number of, of pigs we're getting off off of a smaller sow herd. So mm-hmm. it's it is a a really optimistic outlook um it's just we have to get get the return uh yeah. for for that investment yep yep part of the uh sustainability equation is a positive return and we got to get back to that <laughs> along with the productivity in the house and the fairing house and that would certainly make things a whole lot better christine i always enjoy the conversations thank you so much yep good to be with you all right that is christine mccracken senior analyst for animal protein at Robo Research. Hey, come back this afternoon. We're going to have a conversation with Curtis Bozma from High Ground Dairy right here on AgriTalk. No doubt you've heard of MetLife, but did you know that MetLife Investment Management has over 100 years of ag lending experience? The MetLife Investment Management team maintains close relationships with its borrowers and can structure a customized loan with flexible terms to meet your financial needs. Looking to expand, refinance, or recapitalize? Consider MetLife Investment Management. Learn more at metlife.com forward slash ag. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail.